0: Um, And often I always talk about my mantra, it's like my way of, this is what I think every single day, as we think about how do we empower, I told you I'm obsessed with the letter B here, right? Mm -hmm. So it's the idea of be hungry, be curious, and be humble. Be hungry for the problem you want to solve, because we need more people being angry that that problem still exists in society.
1: Hey, what's up? This is Corey Dion Lewis, clinical health coach and host of the Healthy Project podcast. Now, the research shows that social determinants can have a greater impact on your health more than healthcare or lifestyle choices. The purpose of this podcast is to discuss how to improve health and reduce health inequity by speaking to healthcare professionals, thought leaders, and entrepreneurs. Now, if you're enjoying the podcast, give it a review. Or you can also make a donation to the Healthy Project using the link in the description. It takes 30 seconds and it's super easy. Hey, thank you so much for listening. Now let's get started. Hello, everybody. Thank you for listening to the Healthy Project Podcast. I'm your host, Corey Dion Lewis. Uh, I'm super excited for our guest today, Mr. Brian Buckley. Thank you so much for being here. Um, I know, and we'll get into the conversation, but I know you got a lot going on in your life. So I'm I'm am, I am thankful for this time to, for my audience to get to know you more and just talk about you know, your, your health and wellness journey. So Brian, thank you so much for being here.
0: Yeah, for sure. It's a pleasure.
1: Yeah. So before we get into the conversation, can you tell the people a little bit more about yourself and what gets you up in the morning?
0: Okay, a little bit more about myself. Um, so professionally, I'm a Director of Health Equity Initiatives at the National Committee for Quality Assurance and also Assistant Professor at uh, Georgetown School of Medicine. And I probably have a whole bunch of other things I do, but I think it all goes to what gets me up in the morning. And I always like think about this question because it's been asked a couple of times, and I always like revert back to my vision statement that I usually tell people which is to exhaust my talents as a nexus for change through my blessings, failures, and community. And so really my whole entire why is how do we improve the health and well-being of where people live, work, and play? And so I think that's what gets me up any time during the day and throughout the busy schedule that I have.
1: (laughs) Yeah, and that's that's such a great mission. And you do a lot with wanting to see how can you help other people see their... Their best life and their healthiest life was was there ever a moment in your life where you had to have that come to Jesus? Like you had to reevaluate your own health. What did that look like?
0: Ooh, health. So I could answer that in so many ways because it depends on how we're defining health and its full atmosphere of uh, <laughs> uh, physical, you know, mental, spiritual, but. I'll start with the physical just because usually most people will think about that. I would say my first time like coming to Jesus moment was probably when I was like, I hit 30 um, when it came to my health. Um, That's like the time that, you know, I'd always been like borderline high blood pressure. And that was like one of the moments I was going through my doctorate program And I just remember getting these like stress headaches. And it was a moment where I was like, you know, I need to change. And at the time, my blood pressure like started getting higher. And I was like, you know, I need to change my life. Like, (laughs) So I was like, okay, I need to get better sleep. I need to start eating better. I need to start exercising more because what I was doing was not, you know, sustainable. So I think right when I hit 30 was when I was like, you know what? I'm waking up in the morning and you know I'm feeling some pains that you know this is... <laughs> I was like, I didn't even do anything. I like, I start taking better care of myself. I'm not healing and bouncing back as fast as I was in my 20s. So
1: man, the bounce back is a lot slower these days. It really is. That bounce back, <laughs> you start to appreciate that bounce back a little bit more as you get older, like man. Yeah, it's like, year ago. I, I, I can't like just
0: go into an exercise. I was like, if I don't stretch, you know, it's gonna hurt later. So I think uh when I came to 30, I don't know, I think every time you come to like one of those monumental ages, yeah, you start reflecting, like, hey, I still have like a lot of life left, and what's your mission as you said your why? And I was like, I can't do my why if I'm not at my optimal, you know, self. So if I can't bring my full self to my work, then you know. Things are going to suffer. So that was like my, my, I guess, my coming to Jesus moment.
1: Yeah. You know, and for, and for me, it was one of those things as, as a health coach, almost how you, how, what I eat, how, I, what I do during the day is there's a microscope on it, especially within the community, community that I serve. I can't be seeing a diabetic and then have, and then go to the cafeteria and get like the... The you know the chicken tenders and the fries joint because they're going to be looking at that. It's almost like I gotta I gotta walk. I'm talking. I also gotta walk it. But you brought up a great point about you know there are so many aspects to health. You know, there's physical, mental, emotional, spiritual. But when you're thinking about health, what does that mean to you? Like, what are some of the things when? When you say, I I want to I get healthier, what's the first aspect that comes to mind for you? Or what are some of the things that you work on?
0: Yeah. So things I work on is, I mean, I would say when it comes to my health, I look at it in the full spectrum of it. So am I physically good? Am I mentally right there? Am I good with spiritually with myself? Am I good there relationally with other people? Because I think there's that aspect of health as well. And so- I like to like think about like when do I feel the happiest and like you know most free. And I I tell some of the folks that I coach too, like when you describe like what a perfect day looks like for you, like that's like the sense of how I think about health. And so for me, a perfect day is hanging out with friends, chilling, vibing, you know, having great conversation, not having a care in the world, not thinking about the next deadline I have to do. Um, And just like being, and I always, I'm like obsessed with the letter B. So, you know, Brian Buckley, you know, a little bit there. And so I always have like these, uh, I always talk about my B mindsets uh, to like my wife and like to other friends. And I'm like, you know, how can we just be? Where you are just being with yourself and you're just like at peace. And I think that's how I view health. Um, You're not stressing, you're not thinking about the next thing.
1: And so that's how I
0: I view like health as a holistic way.
1: No, that's so real. Also, the social aspect, social wellness, is something I don't feel like we talk about a lot.
0: No, and and we and literally it happened. I think we started talking about it when COVID happened. Yeah, we're socially isolated, and I did a lot of work with a nursing home uh, project, and that was a big thing in nursing homes where you know people in nursing homes felt disconnected because they couldn't visit their their loved ones couldn't visit them and that's like a very big thing as human beings we're very relational social creatures and so yeah that lack of interaction definitely impacts your mental health and who you are
1: yeah i mean i just feel like community is so important but you also have those people that feel like doing too much with other people is almost draining to their energy like those your, your introverts and like how, well, how I mean do you... I would I would
0: I would I would push it. That there's still a okay. relational thing. Like introverts it's not like they don't like people or anything. It's just it's how much people's energy can they like take on at a given time.
1: Yeah. How much like, people you know, can they people.
0: Exactly. Like <laughs> I have the capacity to maybe like talk to five people and fully be engaged with them. But to be fair, if it goes beyond five, even I as an extrovert get a little tired where I'm like, Okay, yeah. there's a lot of energies to manage. My wife, which is more on the introvert side, you know, she's cool talking with people. She just likes one-on-one conversations. Right. And like, we're good. And no matter who you are, introvert or extrovert, like, there's always people in your life that, like, mean something to you that you want to interact with, whether it's family, whether it's friends, whether it's that co-worker that, like, makes you feel happy in the day. And so there's always a relational side. It just depends on how much you can handle at any one time.
1: Right, as an an extrovert, did the pandemic, how did that affect you? Or did you really, did you feel that not being able to get out and kick it and and do what gives you energy?
0: Yeah, I mean, in the initial part, it did suffer, but at the time I was also looking to be away from people. Uh, So let me paint the picture here for you. Uh, it's 2020, pandemics happen. I had just, um, um, I just defended my dissertation in April of the pandemic year. And I was at the time the president of the Harvard Graduate Council. So I was like overseeing all of Harvard at a time that a pandemic.
1: Wow. was. Starting.
0: So I was like, interacting with a lot of people. And so when all that like stopped, I had like a month where I just did, I was like, no new friends. <laughs> I was like, I don't want to talk to nobody. I'm just trying to like catch up on my Netflix queue. Like yeah. I, didn't, I just wanted to be by myself because I was always interacting with people. And then after we like moved back home to Maryland um, or, or home for me, that's when I started emerging again. And then although it wasn't the same as interacting with people in person, I found my way to interact with people via Zoom and Teams and other social connections. I actually made a list of people I hadn't talked to in a really long time. I made a concerted effort to just like reach out to like two or three of them each and every week. And so I kind of owned like, hey, we're isolated, but we still can communicate with each other and we can still be there for each other. Um, I think some people definitely felt the effects of it. I like started to blossom because you could talk to people that often would not want to talk to you, but because they were lonely too, yeah, <laughs> they were more open to like talking with you. And I think my energy helped them because I I get the
1: right
0: adage that my energy is contagious. And so I think there was also an excitement to like interact. And so, I mean, I think I actually kind of thrived a little bit during the pandemic. I just had to shift my mindset and to what it meant to be relational in that moment.
1: Yeah. I will say it, it really, it put it in perspective for me. I, I do really enjoy being with people to a certain extent. I love to, to network and, and, and do all that stuff. But there, if I'm being honest, there are times where I will just dip out without letting anybody know, like, I'm that guy, like, okay, I've done my work. I'm <laughs> let me slide out.
0: You know, the most draining thing for me is conferences.
1: I don't know. If that's the
0: same thing for you, man. After I leave a conference, my wife she she can see me the day before I'm about to go into a conference, and then the day like I leave, I'm just like I I switch to being an introvert completely. Like, okay, my energy is completely drained.
1: <laughs> yes, yeah. I need I need to I need to reboot. I need to reboot. But the pandemic really it just put it all in perspective because you know there were a lot there was a lot going on, and it really made you think, hey, this. I do enjoy community. It's it's just what you were saying earlier. Maybe I need to enjoy it within my own boundaries and framework and not not go out there and do too much and feel like I'm too drained and then just being extra about it. Just being myself within a, a good group, getting energized, being with them, that four to five, six, whatever, and then keeping it moving.
0: Yeah, that's true.
1: And yeah, for me, so, I
0: mean, that, that like so fun not fun fact, but I'm also Caribbean American. And so yes. I was talking to a lot of family members via the phone for years. And so for me, it didn't hurt as much because I reminded people, the people I mainly talk to and like I'm really cool with, I didn't have to see them all the time. I talked to them on the phone. And I just continued to do that during the whole entire pandemic. If anything, I just added more people to those conversations
1: no no, that's real that's that's dope man you you told me a story when we uh when we first spoke the first the um couple weeks ago i know you're on the american heart association board uh and yeah yeah, where you're at and you had a situation that really it's really prompted your your volunteerism and your support of that uh organization can you talk about that and how that's affected you now?
0: Yeah, that that's also another coming to Jesus moment too. <laughs> I just about yeah, that was uh, that was in my Jesus year too. So, <laughs> so uh, short. Uh, I'll make it short. But like as we were talking about wellness, I, I got into cycling as a thing of active wellness, and in twenty twenty one. While I was uh, riding my bike with a buddy, we saw a man collapse um, and we had to call 911 and I had to perform CPR with a couple of other people in, that were, um, you know, cycling by. And we actually thought this man died. Like I, I was doing CPR for like 20 minutes. I remember when wow. he fell down. There was, like, these gasps of air. Like, you could see him, like, struggling to breathe, but he wasn't, like, responding, you know, you're shaking him, and he's not, like, moving. He's just, like, trying. You can see he is focusing 100% on staying alive. And I remember the moment where his his uh, breath started getting slower, and then I remember the last breath he did where there was just this, like, exhale. And I saw his eyes glaze over, and I was like, okay,
1: you
0: see PR, and I hadn't I, I'm I was a lifeguard back in the day. So I knew some part of CPR, but I didn't know like, you know, I wasn't like I had did a, a re or a, a re-up, you know, last year. Yeah. And so I'm like, man, it's been like 10 years since i had to do this. <laughs> and so I'm like, I'm I asked anyone if they knew CPR and there was this woman and she's like, I kind of remember I did a class like two years. I was like, I'm gonna start, but I don't remember everything. Watch me and like kind of coach me to get me back and I know it's gonna come back. And so once I started, she kind of gave me a little bit of thing. And then all of a sudden, muscle memory started coming back. Mm, ended mm. up doing CPR for 20 minutes. I was training two other people because it's very tiring doing CPR. Right. And the police got there. They brought out the AED and we thought the man died because they kind of like like drove him away really quickly. And so we left just thinking he died. And then like a couple of days later, we, we got a call from a detective that said, hey, you know, are you Brian Buckley? And I was like, yeah. He was like, well, the man you did CPR, he, he survived. Wow. They changed my, my world. Um, His name is Christopher and him and I, like we text like probably on a weekly basis now, we're like family, but he really put into perspective the importance of heart health and that a cardiac arrest could happen at any moment. For any reason, and you know, we saw this with Mar Hamlin, which I actually got to meet uh, not too long ago because he's doing a lot of advocacy at Congress right now in, in partnership with the American Heart Association to pass a bill so that every school has an AED and is training students in CPR. And so it just became a big passion project. I came into the Heart Association on the board thinking in DC area, thinking, oh yeah, I'm gonna focus on my health equity stuff, my public health stuff. And then that happened like a month right into my board ship.
1: And wow.
0: that my main focus uh, did interviews on uh, on the news, uh, was the open your heart uh, story. It was, a, it was a big thing. And so it really put into the idea of, mind body and soul which was the theme of that uh that heart ball that i had gone to and also how are we thinking about our health in a
1: more global way Mm, man that is when you you told me that story man it's like it's one thing to see it on tv (laughs) you know know what i mean and or to go through because you know at where i'm at we got to get re Relicense license every three years and it's one thing to do it on the dummy and to see the video
0: it's so different when you do <laughs> a real person. The, you know that one thing they say when you when you're doing cpr you're supposed to like go like about an inch down
1: yeah where
0: their, their their rib cage their sternum cracks like i felt that and felt like you know how, yeah i was like it's nothing you can prepare yourself for but like you just go into autopilot, like follow your yeah. Trainer. Like I was telling that to myself in my head, follow your train follow your train. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Man, and it, so it sounds like it put it put everything in perspective. It put like life into perspective. It put your yeah, health and sure. in, into perspective, and it just made it just made it more real for for you.
0: It did, like you know, when you see someone that you thought was about to die, it made you start really thinking about life is short. And I remember this is my Jesus year um, at the time. And I remember, you know, I'm a very spiritual person, Christian. And I remember thinking, going to my Jesus year and everyone's like, what's a Jesus year? But, you know, 33, uh, which is the year that, you know, Christ died. And I was like, you know, I remember praying before like my 33rd birthday. I was like, God, let 33 be, um, give me insight into my potential future self. That was the the Mm. prayer I did. And I tell you, everything happened in the world at 33. <laughs> a new job, you know, s- saving someone's life, <laughs> you, know, you know, getting awards, you know, buying a house, like everything just happened. And I like was like put perspective. I started my first like I had always said I wanted to start a business because one of the big things I had a passion for was coaching um, younger mm. people. Their career started that, so it just like put in perspective. Like life, life is short, so let's just start. You know, doing it. Don't wait for it to be perfect. Just start.
1: Yeah, man. Apps just, just, you just gotta go. You just gotta keep moving. So you got, you got a business. You have um, a thriving career where you're trying to help people. I know I was exaggerating about being on fifteen boards, but you are out I'm here. I'm
0: on fifteen boards, man. <laughs> <laughs> I have a, quite a lot of steering committees, uh, advisory boards and uh, board directors. <laughs> yes,
1: You're a pre- professor, you know, which are all great things, man. And, and I just respect that you're, you're doing all the, I'm doing all that. Cause that's what I want to do. And my question to you is with all that going on, how do you keep, how do you maintain your mental health?
0: Mental health. So I guess the way I maintain my mental health, it's it's kind of multi-pronged. So one of the things, I have like a whole phrase that my wife hears me say is work hard, play hard. And so like mm-hmm. during the week, Monday through Friday, sometimes, you know, you just have to make that grind happen. And, you know, you don't have a life. But my weekends, I protect my weekends as mm-hmm. much as possible. I try to spend time with family, friends, my wife. We have... We come up, we do date nights. Like we have our whole thing, hashtag forever dating. So spending time. Mm. I get, I treasure sleep a lot. People always are like, oh, you're doing all these things. The first thing they say is when do you sleep? And I'm like, I sleep all the time. I like treasure trying to get eight hours of sleep every night. Because sleep for me is my way of recharging and my body healing itself. And once I'm awake, you know, on the grind but I treasure sleep so making sure you get a lot of good sleep that helps my mental health because like when I'm stressed about something I like my wife hates it I wake up happy every morning I'm like one of those people like you know, no matter how upset I was the night before I like, wake up completely refreshed and I'm like oh hi so like we had <laughs> an argument and you know she's still upset about it I wake up and oh, I'm hey. oh, I'm already forgiving you we we did about what you bad about and so I I would say sleep and then also finding times to just, like, do things that make you happy. So um, I have, like, some guilty pleasures. Like, I love watching movies and TV series. So, like, um, I'm a big horror movie fan person. <laughs> and okay. so I try to watch at least, like, one horror thriller, like, once a week. Uh, just to like, it's when I'm watching movies, it's like the one time I'm like not thinking about anything. I'm like fully, I'm like that kid that's yeah. fully engaged. Like, I don't want to talk to you. Don't, don't talk to me. Don't ask me no questions about the movie. I'm like fully there.
1: <laughs> right. So
0: doing things like that helps my mental health and exercise. Um, so cycling is one of the things I do. I love being out in nature and just like taking walks. I'm like trying to bring that back with some of my uh, colleagues. Like when we have meetings, I'm like, we don't need to teams each other and see each other our faces. I know what you look like. Yeah. How about we do a walking meeting? Like you get outside, I'll get outside, and let's just be on the phone and talking because I can communicate the same exact thing to you. Doing. Yeah. So I say it's a multi-prong, but that's how I like think about my mental health in many ways. Um, just really looking at all those, because if your physical health is suffering or if you're social, it social, they all are linked interdependencies with each other. And so I try to make sure that I'm doing something each time, even eating healthy, like I'm pescatarian now. And okay. so just eating healthy, trying to get more vegetables and fruits in my diet. That's like what I do to try to stay and maintain healthy. So my body's good, which helps my mind. And then just seeing like, I don't know. For me, also, it gives me a lot of great joy is when I see people, like, the self-actualization of their own greatness, I think, is also, like, a mm. good thing. That's why I got into coaching. So, like, some of my coachees, and when I'm, like, pouring into somebody, you know, and I see them, like, finally make the big steps, those moments, those awe moments, those give me, like, a lot of joy.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's almost like you you're, you're achieving that as well with them. That gives you, that exactly. Gives you I'm, like here, I'm, like, I'm like
0: their biggest fan out here. Like, you know, just cheerleading <laughs> right there. So
1: yeah, man, that, that is so, that's so dope. You know, with, with the work that you do is within the public health space and, and the coaching, how, how do those, are those totally separate? Do You see like, the, are there similarities with, with public health and your, and your coaching and how do you separate the two? Or do you even have to?
0: I don't. I look at it as my being as a whole. So like my, one of my favorite quotes that my grandfather would always say is he's like, Brian, we're on this world for two reasons. One, to make the world a better place with whatever God-given talents that we've been given. And two, to mentor and coach the next generation to build on that work. And so I look at it as kind of core to who I am. You had talked about that why before. Yeah. That's like part of my why. You know, I said my community, and I look at the community of either public health practitioners because I would argue everyone does public health. Yeah. If you're doing public health, everyone does public health. If your work impacts another person, you are doing public health, whether you realize it or not. That's real. So my mission is really like, how can I empower other people to be great and make impacts in the world and be that nexus of change that they want to be? And I often, when I'm talking to students and like my coachees, I don't even say what you trying to, what are you trying to achieve? What's career now? I'm like, what problem do you want to solve in the world? Like, I think that's more important because it allows you to bring your full self and lived experience into the work versus just thinking about putting yourself in a box of a career. Like, what problem are you solving? Because we need creative, we need creatives. We need people who to new ways of thinking. And if you think of things as a career, like I'm going to be a doctor, I'm going to do this. You you limit yourself, and so I think that's how I view my 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 contribution to the world as being someone that can um, inspire um, and uplift others in many ways, and connect them to other people that are doing amazing dope things.
1: Yeah, man, that's that's so resa bar, and I really appreciate you saying that. For the longest time, Brian, I never I never considered myself a public health professional. I was like, I am I'm a health coach. I within the this preventative care, you know, holistic view. I I didn't consider myself a part of the uh, a a public health professional. I mean, obviously, with what I do has that has changed dramatically. But what I also what I've noticed, especially within public health, is, and, and I would love your your input on this, but the lack of creativity in so in some areas, like. ain't ain't a whole lot of stepping out the box that I have seen when it comes to public health initiatives. And I would love to hear your thoughts on, you know, what, if you agree with that, what you have seen and what somebody who is a creative that wants to be in the field of public health, or maybe already is, what should they do? What's that move look like?
0: Yeah. And so you're right. I think it depends on how we're looking at public health. Too. As I said, everyone's part of the public health movement. But often when we think about public health, we often think about governmental public health. And governmental public health is just sometimes very slow and not necessarily not meant to be by design, not meant to be too creative, because government is meant to somewhat be the stable, the stability of the country. And so when I think you think outside of that governmental public health side, I think there's a lot of opportunities to be creative. Um, And often I always talk about my mantra. It's like my way of, this is what I think every single day as we think about how do we empower. I told you I'm obsessed with the letter B here, right? Mm -hmm. So it's the idea of be hungry, be curious, and be humble. Be hungry for the problem you want to solve because we need more people being angry that that problem still exists in society. Like I don't need your oh, this is a nice idea. I need like your anger a little bit. Why do we still have you know high infant mortality for Black women or or why or maternal child health issues? Why do we have still racist policies that have not been questioned whatsoever? Like I need people to bring their energy fully to that, and then being curious, um, questioning the why, why thinking outside the box. But even questioning, why did the box even get created? And I don't think we always question. We assume that everything was made very well. Like, let's question the box. You know, why was this box even created? And for who was it created for?
1: Yeah. And then
0: last is being humble in the sense that any type of major change you're trying to make in the world. And I always say public health is a team sport. Like you cannot do it without other people. So you got to be humble to know that you contribute to this one area, but you're going to need to create your tribe that is also thinking about this and the same energy and bringing their energy to this work so we can actually make change happen in society Um, because it requires people being angry about something that's just not right and willing to be brave, pragmatically brave to want to change it.
1: Man, man. I almost want to say mic drop but <laughs> it's on I can't drop it it's stuck <laughs> <laughs> it's <so expensive>, yeah. <laughs> it. yeah I'm not I'm not dropping that but it is it is so true and it's it's almost like we've accepted the box because it's been there for so long that we're just used to it and it's going to take somebody being angry I love that being angry so passionate about something you're angry and you're asking those questions. That's really, really good, Brian. Thank you so much for being on the podcast with me today. I really appreciate it. This was this was a dope episode. For anybody listening that wants to learn more about you, um, and and just connect with you, where can they find you?
0: Yeah, you can find me on LinkedIn, Instagram. So if you just put Doctor, you know, Brian with a Y, and I use my middle name a lot my middle initial a lot so oh um buckley you will find me somewhere on all of the social media sites but at least for instagram it's uh at dr brian o buckley
1: awesome well dr brian o buckley thank you again for being on this episode with me today i really appreciate it uh and everybody thank you for listening to the healthy project podcast i'll let you next time